So I thought I would share a few thoughts from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 this morning. And uh, um, this has really been a very good chapter, one that I've been um, trying to do some study in. And of course, it is a chapter about the resurrection. And in the beginning of 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul reminds the Corinthians of the gospel. And this is almost a rebuke to them that he even has to bring up these words the way that he does. He says at the beginning of 1 Corinthians 15, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which you also received, in which you also stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. And as you go down through this chapter, you um, get the understanding that maybe the gospel is not being directly attacked in the Corinthian church, but apparently it is being at least indirectly attacked because there are some in the church who evidently are denying the future literal physical resurrection of dead saints in Christ. And so Paul, and so Paul spends this chapter defending the resurrection and he goes to the gospel immediately because the resurrection is most essential to the gospel. If the dead are not raised and if we do not have this hope as believers, then Paul says there's someone else who hasn't been raised from the dead and that is Jesus if there is no hope for the resurrection of believers, then there is no, if that does not happen, then Jesus is not raised from the dead. And so the truth of the matter is because Jesus has been raised from the dead, <clears throat> the saints in Christ will also be raised because Paul says in this chapter, he is the first fruits. And this is language that goes back to Leviticus and the first fruits offering which incidentally was made on the first day of the week, that first fruits offering. And so Jesus is just the beginning. His resurrection is just the beginning of a greater harvest, a greater resurrection that will come. But the first one has already taken place and the best resurrection and the most significant and important resurrection has already happened in the resurrection of Jesus. And so Paul initially argues from the resurrection of Jesus, the reality of this. This is the gospel message. This is what the apostles taught. Without the resurrection of Jesus, the apostles are, are liars about God. They've told false things. And indeed, the resurrection of Christ was witnessed. It was taught by all the apostles. It was witnessed by over 500. And so it is an established, firm, and settled fact. And Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection of all of his people from the dead. And so Paul says in verse 20 of 1 Corinthians 15, after giving all the implications of what would be true if there is no resurrection from the dead, Paul says in verse 20, but now is Christ raised from the dead? This is the reality. This is the fact of the matter. And when you get to verse 35 of 1 Corinthians 15, the apostle moves to objections that people may have. And he asks two questions. He says, but someone will say, how are the dead raised? I mean, how does this work, Paul? 
or with what kind of body do they come? Bodies have been destroyed, they're decayed, they're eliminated, perhaps they've been lost, the life of a believer has been lost in a tragic way. Certainly we know of some who were burned, literally burned alive, burned at the stake, and their bodies were incinerated. Um, and so you get these potential objections that the apostle deals with. And I think the way that he answers these objections is really instructive and um, illuminating. So Paul raises these objections in verse 35, but someone will say, how are the dead raised? And with what kind of body do they come? And now listen to these words, you fool. This is Paul's and the Lord's response to these kinds of questions. And now listen to how Paul argues and, and how he um, teaches the truth of the resurrection. That which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And that which you sow, you do not sow the body which is to be, but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body just as he wished and to each of the seeds, a body of its own. The argument that Paul uses here is an argument from nature. And Paul says, don't you know how things grow, how you plant, and how when you plant, you don't get what you plant. If I put a, a corn seed in the ground, it doesn't grow into a corn seed. I don't go out to my garden and say, I planted a, a grain of corn, and look, it's grown a grain of corn. You put a grain of corn in the ground and the grain of corn is eliminated. It's destroyed. But in its place, you get something much grander and much better and much more glorious than that grain of corn that was put in the ground. And so Paul is arguing from nature to illustrate the resurrection. And I have never thought of the resurrection when I put a seed in the ground, but evidently this is something that God intends for us to be aware of. And this is an illustration and a picture of the resurrection and how God works and will work one day in the resurrection of his people, bringing them into a greater and more glorious state. And thinking about this in 1 Corinthians 15 verses 35 and, you know, following just is a reminder of the importance and the power of nature and the use that God gives to nature in the scriptures. And it led me to think about various ways that the scripture speaks to us about nature. Um, you get the passage in Psalm 19, the heavens are telling the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech and night unto night showeth knowledge. Or Romans chapter one, where Paul says that the, the things of, of, of God are evident in nature, even his eternal power and Godhead are witnessed by the things that are seen. Or Proverbs chapter six, go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. No manager, no supervisor, nobody in charge. And the ant does its job diligently and faithfully all day. <laughs> We see them crawling around and sometimes they get inside our houses. They're diligent enough to invade where we don't want them. Um, Jesus argues from nature in the Sermon on the Mount when he says, look at the birds of the air or look at the lilies of the field. They don't toil. They don't um, spin their own garments. They don't make themselves look beautiful and they're gloriously arrayed. 
better even than Solomon. And if this is how God has designed nature, then what kind of confidence can we have as his unique special creation as humans and his creation in Christ, his care and, 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 and good and sovereign um, doings in our life and his knowledge of our needs. Uh, God argues this way with Job in Job 39 and 40 when he points to creation to put Job in his place and to illustrate how far above our comprehension his plan and his design is. And so there's a couple of lessons I think we can draw from this. First of all, just the fact that the Bible points us to nature to teach spiritual truths. The Bible does this in, in various places, and I'm sure I haven't gotten them all. These are just a few that came to my mind. Um, but it is true even of the resurrection. There is a lesson in nature in the basic fundamental act of planting and growing uh, a, a truth, an illustration of the resurrection. The witness that we have in nature that God has left in the created world should encourage and strengthen us in our faith. The, the truths, even great truths, even truths like the resurrection are built into the way that God has designed the world to work. And he's done that for our sakes, I think, to strengthen us and encourage us. We can see all around us that God is faithful, that he is true, that he is able and capable of keeping his promises. And so the fact that spiritual truths are evident in nature does point us to the folly of sin and of especially of doubting and disbelieving the Lord. And this rebuke here in 1 Corinthians 15 is quite strong. And, and so we can be reminded of the sensibleness, of the reasonableness of trusting in God and in his power and in his promises. And we can learn that just by opening our eyes and looking outside and seeing how the world works, how it's designed, how, how immense and grand it is. And may the Lord use these things, these few thoughts this morning to strengthen us in our faith as we go to him in prayer.